Hey, welcome to the Recruiting Trail. I'm your host, Andrew Nimick of the Oregonian and Oregon Live, bringing you the latest in recruiting for the Oregon Ducks, Oregon State Beavers, and Oregon High School Athletics. A big monster commitment for the Oregon Ducks on Monday as Jaleel Florence, the number one unsigned corner in America, announces his commitment to Oregon over USC. Obviously, that is a big commitment. The number 11 corner in the entire country draws comparisons uh, to Stephon Gilmore, the NFL. NFL superstar, so it means a lot. But there's actually a hidden layer to that commitment that really explains and beautifully maps out what Oregon's plan is for success in the Dan Lanning era. How are they going to compete against USC? Not just on the field, but in recruiting. This commitment is a perfect microcosm of what the plan is under Dan Lanning. I will explain that. Also, we'll take a look at what Oregon fans can expect on signing day and in the lead-in to signing day. They're still in the mix for a number of big-time commitments. Is is this going to be a home-run type of signing day where we're talking about four, five, six blue-chip additions? Or are we talking about a day where Dan Lanning and his staff put together a couple nice pieces and, and they kind of need to regroup for 2023? We will get into that and also take a quick look at Oregon State. They are not going to add to their recruiting class, I don't expect, this the rest of this week. They haven't hosted any new prospects all month. They haven't added any new targets or extended any late offers that look like anybody's going to jump at them. They were pretty content with their signing class during the late signing period. If you remember, that's been pretty traditional for both Oregon and Oregon State. A couple pieces, maybe one or two players during the Cristobal and Smith eras. What changed things this year for Oregon is that they experienced 16 decommitments uh, this year in large part due or the vast majority of those due to Mario Cristobal and a number of his staff, members of his staff leaving for Miami. But first, we got to get to the Jalil Florence news. Again, the number one unsigned corner in America, the number 11 corner in the country. And you could say, you know, how is it in 24-7 sports? I have a lot of respect for those guys. Greg Biggins compared him to Stephon Gilmore. And the comp is pretty interesting because, again, Gilmore is probably, you could take the last five years and, and make an argument he's the best corner in the NFL right there with Jalen Ramsey. How can you compare a guy who's the number 11 high school corner in the nation to Gilmore? Well, they both have a basketball background. And as Biggins said on the CBS Sports HQ broadcast, Florence was late to football. He was primarily a basketball recruit early in his high school career. He ran track for the first time last year, and, and Biggins pointed out he ran a 10-7, really not knowing what he was doing, running the 100 the first time he ran it. So even if you get technique right and start right, you could be talking about a guy who runs a 10-500 really in his first time out, first couple times out. As a kid who's six foot one, 180 pounds, Gilmore also was a primarily a basketball recruit early in his career. The other big thing that that Biggins had mentioned, and I, and I've heard this before, it's something I've talked about on this podcast that Florence was a guy who was rising very, very quickly. Biggins pointed out, and again, great point by him that that if COVID wouldn't have happened, and if everybody would have gotten a chance to see Florence on the circuit, he'd have gotten some better reps against four and five star players. You probably were looking at a corner who was going to get pushed heavily by Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia as a key recruit. And because COVID shortened things up, because he was a late arrival to the game of football, you're getting this raw, really talented corner who has taken to it very, very quickly. Remember, he covered a five-star athlete this fall for Lincoln High School and held the five-star recruit to zero 
catches. Jaleel Florence is special, special, special. This is a major, major commitment. And also, even if you're just not a huge fan of, okay, he's a four-star corner, you know, wake me up when it's a five-star quarterback. I get that. But, and there probably aren't very many of you. I imagine if you're listening to this podcast, you're pretty excited about Jaleel Florence because I've been talking about him a long time as a very special, very special uh, athlete who could potentially blossom into a first or second round NFL draft pick as as he continues to develop. This also is a commitment that really lays out the roadmap for what Oregon was trying to do with the hiring of Dan Lanning. Listen, you can argue all day the the merits of Lincoln Riley and what he's potentially going to do for USC as a recruiter, but here's the bottom line. He is the most exciting offensive name right now in college football. There's a reason NFL teams are starting to use some of his principles, some of his schemes, some of his formations, some of his plays at the NFL level. He's a very, very smart college football mind. A lot of folks would say offensively, he is the smartest guy in the country. Oregon could have gone that route as well and gone really heavy on an offensive mind, but they would have been giving up ground because it didn't matter who Oregon went after. Once Lincoln Riley was hired at USC, the next hire anybody made of an offensive guy was going to be the second best or the third best or the fourth best guy. Lincoln Riley right now is the number one offensive mind in college football. So you can give up a little ground to Lincoln Riley as an offensive guy And also when you go on the recruiting trail, sell a head coach who's an offensive guy, but not as good as, as Lincoln Riley is an offensive guy. And oh yeah, by the way, Lincoln Riley has the advantage of being in LA and that makes it tough. So Oregon's strategy was let's hire the best defensive guy. There are tons of good offensive recruits on the West Coast. We're Oregon. We're flashy. We have a tradition of great quarterback play. We have a tradition of great offensive athletes coming through this program. Oregon and the region, the West Coast region, loaded with offensive talent. Between the Oregon flash, the uniforms, the tradition, and then the plethora of talent on the offensive side of the ball that the West region produces, we're going to still get four-star talent at wide receiver or across the board on offense. Maybe the occasional five-star wide receiver or the five-star quarterback. They'll compete for those guys. Oregon's saying, we'll compete for those guys because they're so plentiful. You know, Oregon State, Washington State, Arizona, kind of the bottom dwellers in the last few years of recruiters in the Pac-12, they've gotten their share of four-star offensive playmakers. There's just a lot of them on the West Coast. What there's not a lot of is defensive elite recruits. Dan Lanning comes in and Oregon can sell. We're going to be an elite defensive program. It not only separates them from USC, it offers them something different. And potentially if you're Oregon and you say, okay, we're going to have Dan Lanning and an elite staff of recruiting coaches come in and clean sweep or close to it, the top prospects in the West region at defense. If you get the top defensive players, the gap between the number one linebacker and number two linebacker, number one linebacker, number six linebacker in the West region is a lot bigger. The gap is a lot bigger than the number one running back in the West region, the number six running back in the West region, the number one quarterback in the West region, the number six quarterback in the West region, because there's so many good offensive players. But if you're able to be something different, When you go up against USC for a California four or five star defensive player and you say, we're the defensive school, you stand out and you're able to bring those defensive players in and it's possible you create a gap 
that is hard to overcome with the rest of the Pac-12. So yeah, you give up a little ground on the offensive side of things because USC has Lincoln Riley is in LA. They're probably going to get, as we've already seen it, they're going to get the number one or number two quarterback in the country. They got the number one running back in the country. They've already shown they can do that. They've gotten the number one athlete in the country who's going to be a receiver. So they've gotten the five-star running back, the five-star quarterback, the five-star receiver. Can Oregon go in and get four-star talent at quarterback, wide receiver, running back, and then beat USC for elite defensive talent. It worked with Jaleel Florence. Jaleel Florence said, Oregon made me a priority from the beginning, and I like what Dan Lanning can do for an elite defense. He won a national title at Georgia, and I wanted to go somewhere there was an elite defensive coach. That proved to be a big difference. You want a roadmap for what Oregon wants to do to beat USC the next few years in recruiting. They're going to try to beat USC for top defensive talent in the West region and try to keep relative pace with USC on the offensive side of things. USC is probably going to have the best offensive classes in the country for the next few years under Lincoln Riley. They're just probably going to. And, and we've already seen that in 2023. They've got a five-star quarterback. They've got a five-star athlete. And they've already got a five-star running back for, for this year in Relique Brown. So it's working. Their roadmap is working. But so is Oregon's. Oregon went head-to-head with Jaleel Florence, a kid from California, and he was drawn to a defensive coach, something Lincoln Riley is not. This is the first test of Oregon's theory. Let's get the best defensive guys. Let's keep pace with the offensive guys. And we think when we play you head-to-head, we will have an A-plus defense. And still, because there's so many plentiful offensive weapons, we'll still have an A-minus offense. Whereas USC potentially might have an A-plus offense and a B or B-minus defense. That's the hope. That's the roadmap. And again, for Jaleel Florence, it worked beautifully. It worked exactly how Oregon drew it up. And that's a good sign if you're the Ducks. This Jaleel Florence commitment has a lot of meaning behind it, a lot of potential value. And look no further when you want to talk about what potential value there is in whether or not Oregon staff sees it that way. Look at what Oregon staff did to recruit this guy. Dan Lanning called him He said before the national title game and told him kind of what they wanted to run. He called him leaving the field after the national title game to say, come be a part of my next national championship defense at Oregon at 1201 on January 14th, the first day of the contact period after a month long dead period, Tosh Lapoy and Demetrius Martin showed up at Jaleel Florence's house for an in-home visit at 12.01, one minute after midnight, and stayed till like 4 a.m. recruiting this kid. They've made him a priority all the way through and sold Defense First program, and it worked. So congratulations to the Oregon Ducks. That is a massive commitment. His commitment moves Oregon's class up from 55th to 43rd nationally. CBS Sports had Oregon's class at 61st on their graphic. That wasn't an error by them. Uh, It was just like two or three days old. Oregon's added a couple of commitments. Other schools have lost a couple commitments. So I'm sure they built that some of those graphics, you know, 24 hours in advance, knowing that Jaleel Florence was set to commit a couple days ahead. And their rankings were behind. So it's not that they were wrong. I know my numbers are updated. They use the 24-7 numbers. I use the 24-7 numbers. They just used them. They grabbed them from two days before. And there's been commitment since then. So that's the reason uh, those are different. So Oregon's class did jump from 55th at the time of Jaleel Florence's commitment to 43rd. And they jumped from 7th in the Pac-12 to 4th. They jumped Colorado, UCLA, and Oregon State. So a very nice uh, commitment for the Ducks. And not only that, but it brings together the two the top corners 
in the country from the same high school. Jalil Tucker signed with Oregon in December. Jalil Florence's teammate at Lincoln High School in San Diego. Jalil Tucker is the number nine corner in the nation. Jalil Florence is the number 11 corner in the nation. Those two were on the same field every night on Friday night at Lincoln High School. Again, in San Diego, not the Lincoln High School in Portland. So incredible that those two guys were on the field together and now they will share the field together in Eugene. The best corner duo in the country, both headed to Eugene. Very exciting. What else is available to the Ducks? What else could they potentially add? We'll take a quick break and we'll go over the top prospects remaining on the big board for the Oregon Ducks. Will they get them? Will they miss out on them? I'll tell you where the top prospects are going the rest of the way next. Arguably Oregon's biggest priority, Jalil Florence, committed to the Oregon Ducks. What else can the Ducks get? We can go down the list of the top targets left on the board and go over kind of where guys are at, what they're going to do, and give fans an idea of what to look for, not only in the next 48 hours, but in in a couple cases, to look for in the next couple months. Because at least one major target is going to wait. That is Josh Connerly, the number one offensive tackle in the nation, the number nine prospect in the country, according to 24-7 Sports. He has a top six that includes Oregon, Oklahoma, Michigan, I believe USC and Miami uh, just visited Miami recently. Josh Connerly announced to, on Monday that he will wait until at least March to make a decision. He will not be deciding this week. Listen, I know rivals predicted that Josh Connerly will go to Oregon Everything I have, I've said this already on my radio show last week. I wrote about this last week. Everything I've heard since then confirms this even further. Oregon's not currently in his top four. I think out of the top six that he had, Oregon was sixth. And the reason I think that is because I talked to him about it and he was not certain he would give Oregon a visit. The other five schools he was talking about visiting. I asked him when he planned on visiting when he planned on visiting Oregon. He said he might not. He's still trying to figure out if he wants to give Oregon a visit. That wasn't that long ago. So is it possible Oregon could turn things around and Coach Adrian Clem and Dan Lanning and the staff could blow him away? Yes, anything is possible with teenagers who aren't decided. But it is very, very rare for a player in late December or early January to be discussing, I might not even go visit this school, to potentially launching them to the number one school. It doesn't happen very often. I can't remember a time where it's ever happened, to be completely honest. But recruiting is crazy these days, and this is a brand new staff. So I don't want to say it's impossible because it feels like nothing is impossible in recruiting anymore. That being said, Josh Connerly is trending in the wrong direction, not the right direction. This has a similar feel to me of the JT Tuamalau stuff, except there aren't three, or there aren't really three finalists. I know JT had a top five, but the reality was it was Ohio State, Alabama, and Oregon really. USC and Washington weren't really in it at all. Uh, Connerly has legitimately a top five, maybe a top six if you want to include Oregon, but it's a similar thing with as the JT Tumalau situation in that, yes, it might be a battle, but I'm not sure it's a battle that Oregon's competing to win or if Oregon at this point is just competing to stay in it. And if you told him today, okay, I mean, nobody is, so it doesn't matter, but if you told him today, you've got to trim your list to three, Oregon would not make that list today. I promise that. 
I don't know if they'd make the top five. I don't know if they moved up from when they were absolutely sixth just a few weeks ago. But that is not a recruitment that I see going Oregon's way. It's not the end of the world. It's not a disaster. I'm not criticizing the staff. It's hard in a matter of weeks to land five-star talent when he's been recruited by other programs for years and they've kept their staffs together. But it is the reality of the situation. Oregon trending in the wrong direction for Josh Connerly. If he visits, if he falls in love with staying closer to home and he doesn't trust Washington, who's currently last in the Pac-12 in recruiting, maybe. But that's the only roadmap. And I feel like I'm saying the same stuff I said for JT to him allow at this time last year, except that Oregon was probably third for JT at this point, and I didn't see them making up the ground. In this case, I think Oregon's fifth or sixth and trying to make up that ground. So we'll see again when there's a coaching change and with the NIL rules in place, you never know, but it's unlikely. Christian Miller, the four-star defensive lineman, rated the number five defensive tackle according to rivals. He visited January 14th, was committed to Georgia, or at least was considered a heavy Georgia lean for a long time. Folks wondered if Maybe Dan Lanning could flip him. Christian Miller is expected to commit in the next 48 hours, and he's given out his list. He's going to uh, commit through CBS Sports HQ. Uh, I think it's a channel you can find on like YouTube TV and stuff like that. It's definitely something you can find online. I've been tweeting the links for the or- when any time a kid commits that has Oregon. I won't be tweeting Christian Miller's. Why? Oregon didn't make his cut. So I know there was some rumblings. Maybe could Oregon possibly pull it off? It was always going to be a long shot. He's a Georgia kid. Having him come cross country, he announced a top five according to CBS HQ previewing his commitment. And Oregon is not on his top five despite a visit just a couple weeks ago. So Christian Miller is an absolute cross off. It's not happening. Oregon's not a finalist. Uh, Dave Ayuli. The four-star offensive lineman who could also potentially play some D-line at the collegiate level. He announced a top three. I mentioned this in the last podcast. He announced a top three. I said Oregon's running. Everybody thinks Oregon's maybe first. Could they be second? I said they might even be third to USC. Guess what? He announced a top three. His top three is Miami, USC, and Oregon. I don't know the exact order of two and three, but I'm very confident I know the order for one. He's going to announce on signing day, Miami is the heavy heavy, heavy favorite at this point. Could he decide and change his mind and get cold feet and decide he wants to stay home? It's always possible. I never want to just shut the door and say it's not possible unless it's a case like Christian Miller and a guy's formally eliminated at school. And that's, I did the same thing with JT. I said, it's not likely at all. It's not impossible because guys can change their mind and things change in a heartbeat. Coaches leave for NFL jobs and crazy things happen. But Dave Iuli looks very much like he is slated for Miami. The rumors that I was hearing, and I feel very confident because I heard him from a number of places, were that Dave Iuli was essentially already set on Miami as long as his official visit in January went well. It went well. Even before that visit, it was probably going to be Miami. And then after that visit was a home run, that pretty much sealed the deal. The latest 24-7 sports predictions are all for Miami. Guess what? He's announcing through them in partnership with CBS Sports HQ. If you notice with Jaleel Florence, those were all Oregon and he chose Oregon. The 24-7 sports guys, when they're when they're due Doing the commitment, they tend to know, and they've all picked Dave Iuli in the last little bit. That pairing with what I've already heard 
from sources not only close to Iuli's recruitment, but also sources close to the Miami recruiting uh, efforts. I, I feel very confident that Dave Iuli is leaning towards Miami. Arliss Boardingham, I mentioned last week, Oregon had a visit this weekend to potentially uh, – blow him out of the water, but that Florida was the leader and that Florida seemed like they would finish the leader. I still think that's true. We'll see on that battle. Oregon could have blown him away. He could step away for 48 hours, talk it over and decide, hey, on Wednesday, Oregon's closer to home. I'm a California guy. I like that visit. I'm going to go to Oregon and stay on the West Coast. But right now, as it stands, Florida is the leader. I interviewed him at the, at one point within the last couple of weeks. I elected not to run it uh, because so much of it depended on Oregon's visit that was still coming up. He really didn't know what to make of Oregon yet. He was still trying to s- decide, but he was really in love with Florida. So Florida was definitely unquestionably the favorite and Oregon at that point was a wild card. Oregon answered some questions this week. I don't know if they did enough to get over the top. I think Arliss Boardingham goes to Florida, but again, he just visited this weekend. So there could be some changes there. Jalen Davis Robinson, the Texas three-star corner, uh, just picked up an offer from LSU. Oregon got Jaleel Florence. They also got Kamari Terrell, a three or four star, depending on which site you use. Corner Oregon with Florence and Terrell have two corners plus Jaleel Tucker. I don't actually think they need uh, Davis Robinson anymore. So I think Oregon's going to potentially move on there. I also think LSU makes a lot of sense for him because they were laid off for in a potential dream school. I think he's going to end up there. But again, these are happening I think, I think Davis Rogers picked up that offer in the last 24 hours. So things are changing pretty quickly there, but I don't think Oregon's going to pick him up again. If they do, he's a three-star corner. It's not a major needle mover. It is possible. But again, having added Tucker already in December and picked up commitments from Justice Lowe, who's going to start it out at receiver, but could move to corner, having picked up Jaleel Florence and having picked up Kamari Rogers, it just seems like, uh, excuse me, Kamari Terrell. It just seems like Oregon is probably set at the cornerback position. Trajan Williams. Justice Lowe and Kawika Rogers are three commitments who elected not to sign during the early signing period or weren't committed to Oregon and have since committed, so they haven't had the opportunity to sign. Trajan Williams visited Oregon this weekend, as did Justice Lowe. Both of those prospects, I project, will end up signing with Oregon as expected. They're verbal commitments. Trajan Williams out of Jefferson, Justice Lowe out of Lake Oswego, two in-state commitments for the Ducks. Justice Lowe is really rising up boards. Late in the process, he's added a fourth star on 24-7 Sports after a great performance from the Poly Bowl. Everyone I talk to says the exact same thing, whether they saw him before he really was a football prospect, because again, he didn't really start playing football until his junior year in high school. This is a kid with NFL athleticism and rough uh, high school skill set. He's still learning. I don't. I don't mean that as a knock. I don't mean he's bad. I mean he's he's a he's a good high school player with not a lot of technique yet, relying primarily on his athleticism. Good player, very good player. NFL grades on a from a couple of Pac-12 schools who are recruiting him heavily, but he's very raw. So there's a very good chance he needs to redshirt uh, to start to kind of develop some of those football skills. I believe he is the nephew of JJ Burden, a former Oregon Duck. So a nice little family connection there. Kawika Rogers, the three-star offensive lineman from Hawaii, committed to Oregon a couple weeks ago. I expect him to sign. Any new additions? All right, that was a lot of negative, Nemec. Can we get some positive commit? Can we get some positive juju going? Yes, Jaleel Florence is great. Yeah, they're going to sign the guys that are already verbal commi- verbally 
committed. But you just went over a list of their top six targets and said they were all going somewhere else. So what's the good news? Well, there's a couple of pieces of, I think, good news coming. And one of them potentially could be uh, Jordan James. He's an All-American Bowl selection, the number 13 running back in the entire country, committed to Georgia. Uh, get out your spatulas because he gonna flip. I expect uh, Jordan James to flip to Oregon at 9 a.m. on Wednesday. That is when he is set to announce. He has Georgia, Florida, and Oregon in his top three. He's committed to Georgia. He did not take his trip to Florida this weekend. So I, by all intent and for all intent and purpose, I would expect Florida to essentially be eliminated because he chose not to go. What does that tell me? It tells me that he really likes one of his schools, and I don't think it's Georgia. In fact, Georgia may be moving on. They are making a major push for three-star running back Andrew Paul, a player that Oregon made a push for. He's a three-star prospect, but he's picked up offers from Clemson, Georgia, uh, Oregon. He is a late riser and a late sky riser. He's a guy that potentially could end up being something like the number eight running back in the entire country. He's that level of special. I think George is going to get a uh, commitment from Andrew Paul, which means Jordan James isn't going to, isn't going to go to uh, Georgia and he will end up at Oregon. It's a really nice get. He's kind of a bruising running back, five foot 11, uh, five, 10, 205 pounds. He's kind of a bowling ball. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but he just is a physical tough runner. Uh, maybe, maybe along the lines of a Jeremiah Johnson, type. He's not going to bust that 80, 90 yarder because he's probably going to get caught before he gets that way, but he is going to pick up a lot of five to nine yard gains. And he, he's got enough speed to house it. It's just, if he has to go the full length of the field, generally speaking, a corner is going to catch him. He's more of a four, six, uh, 40 guy than a four, three or four, four guy, but a talented piece. And then Marion Winston, Oregon had a really successful week this weekend hosting visitors, not only with some of these 2022s, uh, Jaleel Florence made the trip, you know, Terajon Williams made the trip, Justice Lowe made the trip, Sir Mel's made the trip. They hosted a number of their commitments this week and Marion Winston made the trip, formally committed to Oregon, reopened his recruitment. Washington's been in the mix. Florida's been in the mix. To me, it just makes sense that Marion Winston sticks with the legacy commitment. His brother, Lamar Winston, and played for the Ducks and I think was like a three-year starter for the Ducks. I do think Amarion Winston ends up back at Oregon. I'm not super confident in that uh, prediction because Amarion has been very quiet about his recruitment. He hasn't talked about it a ton. When he reopened things up, he kind of kept the schools close to the vest for a long time in terms of who he was potentially visiting. I I heard some things about some Pac-12 schools. Maybe he was going to go check them out. And then some of them he did and some of them he didn't. So he's kept things pretty close to the vest. I do think Amarion Winston re-sign or ends up recommitting to and signing with Oregon. I think it's very telling that he visited this weekend along with Oregon's all their most of their main commitments. So a really good sign potentially there from the Oregon Ducks. And then you get into the big name 2023 who visited. I'm not quite ready to make the prediction yet, but I do think it's a really good sign. Nicholas Imaliava. I probably butchered that. Nicholas Imaliava. I'm going to ask and make sure I have that right. I'll check in with the family. The number five overall prospect in the country, the number three quarterback, the number one uncommitted quarterback in the country who is attainable. The number one quarterback in the country is Arch Manning. He has already eliminated the Ducks. Yes, he's the nephew of Peyton and Eli Manning. And the number two quarterback, Malachi Nelson, is already committed to USC. This is what I was talking about earlier with 
Oregon might not ever beat or might not consistently beat USC for top recruits on the offensive side. It might be that Lincoln Riley gets the number two quarterback in the nation. But Oregon might get number three or number four because they get the number two guy in the West region. And that's generally the drop-off with offensive players. It's different on the defensive side of the ball. If you get the number one and two corners in the West region, there's a chance. If you get the number one or two linebackers in the West region, the number two, one and two defensive linemen in the West region, there's a chance you got two of the top 10 guys in the country at their position. And then the next best school gets like 20th and 27th. That drop-off is much steeper than we'll see with Oregon getting the number two, potentially the number two quarterback in the West region. In this case, it's Nicholas Iamaliava. God, that's terrible. But he's a five-star quarterback, number five prospect in the nation. Again, Malachi Nelson is the number two quarterback in the nation. I believe he's the number four prospect. So a drop-off of exactly one spot. Iamaliava has some connections to Marcus Mariota. He always dreamed of being the next Marcus Mariota. Alabama's offered. Georgia's offered. UCLA's offered. This is a kid with over 20 offers already. Auburn, Florida State, LSU, Miami, Michigan State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Tennessee, Texas A&M, USC, who's now obviously out of the running. Uh, Nicholas Iamaliava is definitely a player to watch. I do think Oregon made a great first impression. I do think it's very, very, very possible they pull him in. I don't necessarily think Oregon's the absolute favorite. I don't think it's an absolute slam dunk, but I do think Oregon's going to be firmly, firmly in the mix the whole time. This is almost a mirror image recruitment of Tua Tango-Vailoa, except... Oregon got in early and didn't alienate anyone in the family. If you remember a few years ago, Tua Tango-Vailoa dreamed of playing at Oregon, being the next Marcus Mariota. He had the connections uh, through Hawaii. Marcus was a mentor to him. He went to some camps with Marcus. Marcus drove him and got him McDonald's when he was a kid. So he always dreamed of being Marcus, uh, the next Marcus at Oregon. And then the Ducks slow played him and didn't offer him for a long time. And he kind of soured on the Ducks. This is a similar deal. Nicholas Ima Liava likes Marcus Mariotti. He wants to kind of follow in those footsteps. He's got some family connections to the program. There's a lot going in Oregon's favor. The big difference here between that and Tua is Oregon's jumping on this kid early. He visited this weekend along with a bunch of their commitments. And I think that is going to potentially be great for the program. It could lead to a commitment. So something to watch there. Again, I'm not predicting a commitment. I just think Oregon's got a good shot and is going to be in the mix for him the whole way. The other big time 2023 visitor was Mateo Uyangalale, the younger brother of DJ Uyunglele. Depending on which recruiting service you read, Mateo Uyunglele is a better prospect than his brother. Uh, Mateo Uyunglele is rated the number one edge rusher and number six player in the country. Already offers from Alabama, Clemson, go figure, that's where his brother's at, LSU, Miami, Michigan, Michigan State, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oregon, Oregon State, Texas, USC, US, uh, Utah, and Washington. Hosting two of the top six players in the country right before signing day, even if it's a year out, is a great sign because that's a big energy weekend. You want that to be a big weekend, and it was for the Ducks. By all accounts, they hit an absolute home run this weekend, impressed a lot of kids, and uh, so far from the weekend, they're one for one. There's only been one commitment from this weekend. It was Jaleel Florence. 
He chose Oregon over USC. So a great sign potentially of things to come. I've said before, there's an opening for 2023 to be a top three to five recruiting class in the nation for Oregon. It's going to be tougher with Lincoln Riley. And USC's already gotten off to a great start by landing some of the top uh, prospects in the West region. But there's enough good West region prospects that there should be an opening for USC and Oregon to potentially both finish now in the top 10 in the entire country in the class of 2023. We'll see if they can pull it off, but they're certainly off to a very good start. And this week is off to a very good start with Jaleel Florence. Again, I think Oregon's going to end up getting Jordan James, the All-American Bull running back currently committed to Georgia. Get out your spatula. He's going to flip. He's going to choose Oregon on signing day at 9 a.m. That's when he's announcing his commitment on CBS Sports HQ. If you follow me on Twitter at Andrew Nemec, Nemec is N-E-M-E-C. I will tweet out the link roughly three to five minutes before he makes that decision. So you don't have to go searching for it. I promise you, I will tweet that out and have that just like I did for Jaleel Florence's uh, on Monday. And I think Oregon ends up getting Amari on Winston. Josh Connerly, the five-star offensive tackle, is going to wait. I think Oregon is trending in the wrong direction there. There's always a chance they turn the tide, but it's going to be really, really tough. Christian Miller, a big name throughout this month. He visited Oregon in January 14th. Could Dan Lanning flip a big-time target out of Georgia? Turns out, no. Christian Miller announced his top five. Oregon doesn't make it. Dave Iuli's announcing on signing day. I predicted Miami there. I feel pretty strongly about that. Arliss Boardingham was down to Florida and Oregon. Florida had the lead entering this weekend. I think they hung on to that lead, but we shall see. Jalen Davis Robinson, I don't think is a take anymore. I think he's going to end up at LSU anyway, but with Oregon getting Terrell and Florence and previously signing Jaleel Tucker, there's just not really a need. And then, of course, the verbal commitments that expect to sign Trajan Williams, Justice Lowe, and Kawika Rogers. Trajan elected not to sign during the early signing period, but he's stuck with Oregon. He visited this weekend. I expect him to put pen to paper Wednesday. And then the two new verbal commitments, Lowe and Kawika Rogers, have committed in the last month, so they haven't had the opportunity to sign. They finally will on Wednesday, and again, they will both sign. That is your signing day week preview. I should have, I will have, I just don't know what day it will come out. It'll either come out Thursday excuse me, Wednesday night or Thursday morning, a recap of signing day. We'll go over my predictions. We'll go over all of them and see if I was right or wrong. I think in 2021, I had a perfect score. Uh, 2022, not so much. And the reason not so much is I made predictions and then Mario Cristobal left and even guys I got right, in fact, 16 different guys I got right, decommitted from Oregon. So if you make the prediction that so-and-so is going to end up like Kelvin Banks, for example, is going to end up at Oregon and he signs with Texas, you were wrong in the end, even though... He verbally committed to Oregon. So when there's not a coaching change, I tend to be pretty accurate. Uh, the last year that I missed a whole bunch was the Willie Taggart to Mario Cristobal transition. I, I gave Oregon too much credit. I thought they'd get too many names. This year, I'm a little more conservative. We'll see how this goes. I feel, again, very strongly. I'm pretty well sourced on this group of guys this year. There is no one that I don't feel like I have a pretty good understanding of what they're looking at uh, at this point. So we'll, we'll cover that and recap signing day for the entire Pac-12 How about this? Arizona is number one in the Pac-12 right now. Washington is number 12. We'll see if that changes. Thanks for listening to the Recruiting Trail podcast. I'm Andrew Nemec. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We talk about five-star prospects. Leave a five-star review. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks.